Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Amen. Y'all give the Lord a hand clap. Come on, come on. Listen, I am praying, and, and one of the things that we hope happens when you come to the house is we do, we, we want you to have an encounter with the Lord, not just an experience, not just an experience, because if we have an experience at church, then here's what happens, it, 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 we kind of go back to 80s church where every Sunday has to be better than the last Sunday, and I'm going to be honest. You know what? I don't want to get to the place where I'm lighting myself on fire for a crowd. I just, but, I, but I believe an encounter, a moment where his goodness connects with, come on, some of our ugliness. And one more time, the door is open of relationship. And it's an opportunity to be healed. It's an opportunity to get right perspective. See, I believe that those are encounters. Those, those are moments where we encounter the Holy Spirit and it begins to change everything. I think there are three things that you need if you're going to have a vibrant Christian life. You're going to need love. You're going to need truth. Love covers the sin. Truth sets you free and the anointing breaks the yoke. So you have to have all three. And so we have to develop an appetite as believers for all three of these things. Where do I need love? Oh, I'm good at love. Well, we're going to talk about it today. Let's see how good we are. Come on. Um, there's a lot going on in our culture. And I'm just going to be honest. I'm, I'm so glad, glad that you're here. And, and for many of you, that, that this is maybe your first experience with us. Um, we didn't really have our grand opening yet. Uh, you were so welcome and so invited, and we're glad you're here. But there's not even a sign on the building. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we, we just got fixed our sinks last week. We're about to get internet probably in about two weeks. So, I mean, I know. I was like, how can you have church? Um, uh, and so when we get everything set, uh, and so we're just going to, we're just going to have some home talk. We're just going to have church meeting. And we're going to talk. And uh, if this is your first time here, you get a front row seat to kind of where we're going to go and what we're going to do. Because this is a bigger space than we're used to. And that means that things have to change. That means growth has to happen. That means that, that all of us. You know, I was in a church uh, speaking at a men's event on Friday. And the church was 120 years old. You can say, Wow. 120 years and, and, and it was crazy because I started talking to some guys and I was like hey how long you been here and the guy was like well you see that room over he was like I've been here 50 years and I was like shut up <laughs> nobody's been in my church 50 years you know what I'm saying like you know then I sat at a table and we started eating and every guy there were six men and all of them had been there 20 years and I'm like, wow. I just wanted them to like pray over, just, I felt, just pray, pray over. Give me the 20 year anointing, God. <laughs> I just, just pray over your boy. And, uh, and so here's the thing is, we, we've been in church six years, six years. And so the most you can have ever been here is six years. I mean, so, and every season, there has been growth, there's been shifting, there's been changing, uh, there's been maturity. Kind of like in your own home. You know, you remember teaching your kids to go to the bathroom? Come on, parents. You used to give them an M&M. Where are my M&M people at? Listen, every time I go to the bathroom, no one gives me anything. I'm like, when did that stop? You know what I'm saying? Drop off a peanut M&M. <laughs> you know, like, hey, like, uh, listen. You know, but we grow, we mature. You know, when my kids go to the bathroom, I'm not clapping anymore. I'm like, did you spray? <laughs> sorry, that was too close, too close. I was sorry. Um, <laughs> maybe we need to give out M&Ms for spraying. I don't know. <laughs> my point is that as we grow, things are going to change. And it's important that you begin to know where we're going. You don't just like where we've been. 
There are times in your life when you're going to go through rough days, hard days. And in those days, you're going to ponder, do I still want to walk into all of the goodness that God has for me? You're actually going to think there are going to, certain adversities, moments, obstacles will hit you. And you'll be like, is this worth it? Come on, is this too transparent for somebody? Is this worth it? God, where are you at? I'm wondering what you're doing. Do you even, come on, see me? And I think for the church, nationally, globally, we've got to remember that everything good that is going to happen in our spiritual life is predicated off the idea that we encounter the love of God. The Bible says that it is his kindness that draws me to repentance. And so if I'm going to grow in my spiritual life, i got to get good at, come on, walking in God's love. That's my assignment today. We're going to have to walk, come on, in God's love. What does his love do? His love feels. It reveals. It heals. And it builds. If you really, and I know when I say, come on, love, everybody wants to pat themselves on the back and be like, yeah, absolutely. Like, pastor, we, we should love people. Come on, let me get an amen. One, two, three. But just because you amen it doesn't mean that we do it. And here's what I would submit to you, that the only love that we know how to give is a worldly component of love that will promote self-interest. We actually have to die to ourselves to develop a God kind of love. You don't just walk into a Sunday sermon and now you are mature in love. You can't go to a, a church for six weeks and <laughs> I'm just going to love everybody. No, you're not. You're going to love them like the world and then you're going to grow you're going to fail. Come on, does that make sense? I don't know if you're a walker. I'm a walker. So I, I try to, I mean, we got the steps app. I got the steps app. I try to get 10,000 steps in a day. So roughly that's like right under five miles. And there are times when I've worked and I've done, and uh, I'm going to be honest. I get home. It's about 930. I don't even want to open the app. How many of y'all with me? Like, I don't even want to open the app because I was, it was a sitting day. It was a talking day. I opened that app and all of a sudden it says, what? I got 6,000 more steps to go? Like I'm not even close. And I've got a decision to make. Am I going to give again? Am I going to put myself to this? Am I going to do any more, come on, than I've been doing the other day I we were on vacation and we came back to work and on the first day coming back in the new building come on you got my steps up there 13,005 and I, I would have never gotten those steps at chestnut all I did is go to the car three times you know I, I was like what if this is the new me got my steps in I showed all my kids Mr. 13,000. I started thinking, what would happen if we had a love tracker that tracked our loves? Now, tracked our love, the way we love people. And I'm not talking about, listen, go ahead and leave that, uh, that image up. I'm not talking about you waking up and kissing your husband. Uh, I'm not saying that you waking up and giving your kids a hug. You, you don't get any points for that. Sure, that's love, but that's a love within the family unit. You, there's an exchange happening. You, can't, you don't get to count that one. Your friend texts you and you text them back and they're like, hey, we're going to go do this. And you're like, hey, okay. And they're like, I love you. Doesn't count. Maybe you're having a great moment, like you love this moment. Everything is aligning. You had the best birthday party in the world, and you're like, <laughs> doesn't count. But what would actually count is when there is a pure motive in your heart to love someone and give to someone without anything in return. 
Like, how are you getting your steps in with love? How you, how's that love tracker doing? How is that? Come on, because Christ is in me, the hope and the fullness of glory. And because he is in me, moving through me, I am now a vessel of his love. And I'm not looking to extract or take, but I'm actually looking to make every environment I walk into full of more of his spirit. Come on, and more of his life. Today, I want to jump right into it. I got a lot to say, so get ready. Are we good? So sometimes I'm a preacher. Sometimes I'm a teacher. I'm a, today, I'm going to do teachy-preachy. You know what I'm saying? We're just going to, do, we're going to do it all together. I want to give you four ways to walk in love. Four ways to walk in love. The first one is you have to receive it. The Bible says that you can't give anything that you haven't received. Have you ever tried to give a dollar you don't have? Someone's like, I do it all the time. <laughs> you, you cannot give what you don't have. And so the Bible is like, actually, God says that I first went after you. You didn't first come after me. I was the instigator. I was the one who went first. I have been drawing you to myself, and I went first. When we look at this. I need you to know that there's more potential in you than you even know. And if we can get the church body to walk in love, we will have a huge kingdom impact in the world. But I've got to tell you the ugly side. Because everybody feels good when we say love. But here's the deal. Love is work. Love is discipline. Love is maturity. And love is restraint. And if you're going to grow, come on, someone in love, this is the posture that you begin to take to increase. Because the Bible says that we decrease, come on, somebody, and he increases. And I just want to ask this. What does your love tracker indicate? See, the enemy wants you to live a life without the love of God. He doesn't care if you feel some love from family or friends or neighbors, but he does not want you to have the love of God. So let me give you a couple of verses. First John chapter four, verse eight, it says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is, come on, say it. This is called, this is talking about the agape type of love. First Corinthians 16, 14 says, let all that you do be done in In all that you do, there is a posture in the way we treat people, the way we treat others, the way we conduct ourselves, and you need to be aware, come on, when you are walking in it and when you are low. What keeps us from walking in love? What keeps us from really walking in love and seeing the doors of the church swing wide open? Because, come on, church, we, we, we know there's broken people, right? We know there's hurting people. We know there are people that need answers. We know there are people who feel alone, unseen, unwanted, unvaluable. So why isn't the doors of the church like just swung open and everybody's running? The reason that Love isn't always active in our church communities. It's because of hubris. Hubris means excessive pride and self-confidence. If we all think that we're right, then who's right? If we all think we're right... Then who is right? Pride destroys love and pride destroys the passion of God. Come on. Pride is behind every sin. Pride tells us it's okay to choose any way you want. It pushes us to believe that we are fine doing it ourselves. Love can't grow where there's pride. Look at this, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Do nothing with selfish ambition or conceit. What is that? Pride. But in humility, come on, everybody say humility. Count others more significant than yourself. 
James 3, 16, verse 18, for where there is jealousy, listen, now this is important, where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, where those exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. So here's what I'm talking about. Before we can get the church right, we got to get our homes right. The church is reflection of broken people. Broken people live in our homes. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? And if we will begin to focus on the environments that God has already entrusted into us and begin to win in those, then we will win. Come on, listen. The Bible says faithful in the little, ruler over what? Come on, say much. If I can win, come on, in this one relationship, then I can win in three relationships. Then I can win in five relationships. The danger is we don't have a lot of people winning, come on, in their home. And then we all want to get get together and everybody's got trauma and everybody's got issues and everybody's got this, but we got to get back. Come on, listen to winning in the areas that we are responsible for. Come on, help me. But wisdom from above is first, look at this, pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy. Look at this, good fruit, impartial, sincere. And I love this verse 18, and and. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace, and it makes peace. Our world doesn't want peace. It wants war. The love of our world is the love of self-interest. All we want is to do what we want to do. And anybody who doesn't support us, then consequently isn't in agreement with us, then they obviously cannot accept us. And here is where we're at. Come on, hear what I'm saying. Our world promotes self-interest. It wants to be right, first, loud, demanding, and rejoice in wrongdoing. When is the last time you saw a poster on a kid's wall of humility? We don't, as a culture, and we've all grown up in this, it doesn't matter where you grew up, it doesn't matter where you live, it doesn't matter your socioeconomics, the reality is we've all grown up under this idea, I want to be famous, I want to be somebody, I want, humility doesn't want to be famous, it wants to be impactful. Our society doesn't value humility. We don't think humble ourselves. But here's what I need you to know, that you will never be able to receive God's love unless you humble yourself to know that you need it. Like I can't find it at the bar. Come on, somebody. I can't find it in the club. I can't find it with a girl or a guy. I can't find it making more money. I can't find it with more followers. I can't find it anywhere. And you can live the next 20 years of your life trying to hunt down the next thing that you think will fulfill you. But I need to let you know, you don't have to go down that road that far. I'm I'm trying to. Come on. We got to walk in love. The way the church wins is we walk in love. And I have to define it because everybody has their own definition of what love is. And God is not asking for your definition. He wants his definition. We submit under what he has. And if we do, here's the thing. It will be hard. And it will cause you to change. And it will cause the way you act and your actions and the values and the virtues that you live by will be different but it will be better it will be fruitful your life will work it will expand there will be fruit on your tree that other people get to come on eat from thank you for the one clap I feel good (laughs) confidence is very high very high thank you for loving me 
Here's the second one. So, so the first one is, well, come on, y'all help me. We're together. Come on, listen. The first one was what? You have to what? Here's the second one. You have to become aware of your responses. If you're going to walk in love, you have to become aware of not how everyone responds around you, but how you respond around, come on, say amen. Look to someone and say he's talking to you. Come on, he ain't talking to me. He's not talking to me. (laughs) This sermon's for you. (laughs) Listen. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 7, love is patient and kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It isn't arrogant, it isn't rude. It doesn't insist its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing. It rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. If you're doing that perfectly, raise your hand. Yeah! We all need some work. This isn't easy. You give your life to this. The Bible tells us that we can measure love by our responses. How you respond to things. Not by your spiritual givings. I love the fact that you can prophesy. I love the fact that you can pray and heal. I love the fact that you can sing. I love that you can organize. I love that you're an administrator. I love that you're creative. I love that you can paint. I've always wanted to paint. I want to draw. I want to draw. I can't draw. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I, but I can do stick men. Like y'all don't even know. My stick people are awesome. But it, the Bible doesn't say that Love is any of that. Like you were born with that, so that's not love. Love is how you respond in situations that you don't always get to control. Come on, hear what I'm saying. There will be moments out of your control. There will be moments when you feel emotions that require a response. Love is how you respond. Come on, hear me. In the moment, the Bible shows us that love is measured by giving, not by taking. After you've received the love of God, the next hurdle is learning how to respond, not in lust, pride, or personal power. This is basically the three sins. Come on. The glory, the gold, the girl or guy. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. These are the three. And Well, the devil's hitting me. He only has three arrows. These are the three. That's, all he ever, that his, that's why Jesus says, I was tempted with everything because I know what you're going through. Now, Jesus didn't have your mama. Jesus didn't have to deal with your daddy. Jesus didn't have your finances. But he did deal with all three weapons of the enemy. And this is what we deal with. Come on, somebody. Okay. The Bible tells us only after you die you can live. Matthew 16, verse 25 says this. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Come on, look at social media. Look at Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. People are trying to find something. And I still... I just want you to know that I love you more than I did 15 minutes ago. The only way to find it is to receive it and then to measure your responses. So let me give you three responses that can help you indicate how you're doing. If you're going to walk in love, you're going to have to be aware of your responses. And so here's the deal. What are my triggers from my past that are holding back love? Someone looked at me crazy. So now we finna fight. She's cross-eyed. 
You didn't even know that. Like, you didn't know that. She sneezed and her eyes do this. And you were in the direction and all of us, but your whole life, come on, someone, someone put you down, someone overlooked you, nobody valued you, and so you got a uh, and you're like, oh, we fixing it. I ain't playing with you, church or not. I will WCW right off the, I'm playing. You get into a life group and you finally decide to step in and host a life group. You say yes to Jesus, yes to serving, and you open your home and 15 people have signed up for your life group and one shows up. And all of a sudden, you're trying to minister to that one, but it's really hard because you hate the other 14 that didn't show up. Because you texted all of them three days before. You followed the system. You fixed the stuff. You had enough food for 15 people. You actually thought they were going to bring a friend. So you made food for 20. And one walks through the door. And they're so happy. Hey, how are you? What do you want? You're not who I even wanted to come. <laughs> and so here's the deal. We begin to respond and we do our best. <laughs> oh, it looks like time. We got to go. And then we shut the door and we're like, never again. I am never going to drink church people. They all lie. And all of the triggers that came up have nothing to do with this moment. It has something to do with something unlocked a response in your life. And it's in that moment. Are you walking in love or not? Come on. The second one is in the moment, how would Jesus respond? And don't make me go back. Listen, we're going back to the 90s. WWJD, baby. Where are my bracelet people at? Come on. Some of y'all still wearing it. Some of the younger people are like, why do you have that? I didn't know that was your name. That's cool initials. How would Jesus respond to, listen, adultery, homosexuality, substance abuse, greed, gluttony? How would he respond to that? Well, we can look from the Gospels that he won't avoid what's keeping you in bondage, but he's not going to add the shame to your life because he knows that the enemy's already put shame on your life. He's actually going to bring you in and speak to your purpose and what his father wants to do, and he's going to begin to love on you and help you and do. And I'm just telling you, in this culture, the reality is 70, 80% of the people in this room are dealing with something sexual, prideful, anger. If that's uncomfortable for you, then I don't know if you really want to be in church. Because this is who's walking in the door. That's why you need love, truth. Truth will set you free. If you just do love and no truth, you'll have babies and everybody will just be making messes. If you just have truth, you'll cripple people under the pressure of trying to live something that they haven't grown into. Here is what you have to know. Everybody walking in this, when you open the Bible for the first time and you begin to receive revelation from God, seed has just planted in your soul. You have no fruit. There is no tree. It will take a long time to produce. Come on, seed, time, harvest. You're going to grow some things. You're going to grow some things. You're going to grow some things. That's why it's awesome when people are mature enough to have overcome some hurt, overcome some stuff. There got to be some people in the body of Christ that have made it through a disagreement, and now I have seen God move in my life. Some of you clapped because you believed it. Other one of you, you were like, oh, everyone's clapping. <laughs> I'll take it. 
Here's my third thought. Talking about responses. Are you good? Everybody good? Who are the people that don't deserve love? (laughs) Who are the people that don't deserve love? (laughs) I'm just telling everybody who walks watches Fox News. Everybody who watches CNN. Every liberal. Every conservative. I mean, every MAGA. Who are the people? Homosexuals. Adulterers. Who are the people that don't deserve love? Pick them. Because here's the thing. I think it is the height of hypocrisy for us. Because I watch. I'm watching all the time. And I see worship play. And I watch tears come down people's eyes. And there are so many people that in worship are repenting. Forgive me for how I responded. Forgive me for my moment. Forgive me of how I acted. Forgive me of that. I know I'm hurting people. I know I'm in a toxic place. I know stuff's going on. And here's all I'm asking. I'm suggesting this to you. For someone who's been forgiven much, I would think that much is required. We want to be a church family that doesn't see love just as feelings. It's deeper. Absolutely, we want to. But we, we, we believe in feelings. And feelings are great. But it's, it's, come on somebody. It's deeper. That's shallow. If you're basing this church on if someone smiled to you, I understand that's important when we first begin and we practice it. It's our culture. It's our values. We want to see people. But I need you to come deeper. And in this church family, there are going to be people who make mistakes. There are going to be people who have adversity. There are going to be people who have offenses. And there are going to be people who have misunderstandings. And if you're looking for a perfect church, I can give you an address to one over there at Bentonville. But that's not this one. Because we got people with problems walking through healing, trying to see God do a work in their life. Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap for that. Okay, so the second was you have to be aware of your, come on, what? Come on, help me. You have to be aware of your what? Okay, here's the third one. If you're going to walk in love, it's going to take healing. You're going to have to get healed. You're going to be hurt in this life. You're going to be hurt by your family, your friends, your coworkers, your employees, your employers. They're going to all go out and not invite you. There's going to be moments that people, come on, listen, hurt you. Churches, spiritual leaders, authority. You've got to be able to walk back and go, we live in a culture that wants to cancel everything. Now, I'm going to go both sides, so don't start building up your walls. But you cannot cancel, I'm going to cancel America. I'm going to cancel teachers. I'm going to cancel politicians. I'm going to cancel police. I'm going to cancel men. I'm going to cancel churches. And that not come to you. It may take 10 years, but it's coming to you. Why do I know that? Because whatever you sow, it's coming to you. Of course, I understand injustice. We're going to talk about that in a second. But I need you to understand the posture of a Christian is different than the world. Here is what the Bible says. And the Bible for us is going to be like, I don't need to bring you into my opinion. I have many, probably the ones you don't want to hear. 
But the best I can, I want to bring you into the word. And if we're going to be a church where men sit around a table 20 years from now, if men and women sit around a table for 50 years, come on, does anybody have a family in their home? Y'all just all get along? Nobody ever fights? People don't ever want to talk at the same time? When you say, hey, what do y'all want to eat? Everybody just says the same thing. Because whatever you got in that, you need to write a book. Because the rest of us, that's not reality. Come on. You're going to have to begin to get, if you're going to do church with a church community, it doesn't have to be here, but wherever you go, you're going to have to get good at doing what the Bible says. And Matthew 18 has been written for the believer. So here's what it says. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. If your brother sins against you, go tell him his faults between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained a brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. What does that mean? Cut him off. So let's pause because I want you to keep saying this. You as a believer cannot hold people accountable and you pick and choose what you're going to do. This is the way we stay in community. This is the way we do it. And here's the deal. If we submit to the invisible law of convenience, then Jesus and his model isn't really what we're doing. So here's what happens. We get offended and we push it down. And we get offended and we push it down. And we get offended and we push it down. And we get offended and we push it down. And then finally, because we've never let it go, we have built a case against someone. And the Bible says love does not do that. You go handle it. Well, I don't like confrontation. Well, first, never in the Bible says nothing about that. And so you have to do it. Listen, I, we're going to practice this over the next couple years. We're going to practice this. And I'm going to tell you, here's what I've resolved in my heart. I would rather have a little pain on the front end than problems on the back. And so people don't know how to do this. That's why everybody gets on Facebook and makes posts and do so, because people don't know how to have a conversation. But if we sit down and go, hey, you know what? Tell me about this. And I, I need you to know some things about our church. This is a a pandemic in the body. It's happening with um, the Baptist church. It's happening with the Catholic church. Come on. It's happened with ARC, an association that we're involved in. This is even going on with the church that I'm from in Hot Springs. And, and I, I, I just thought, let, let's talk about it. Can we do that? Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 and 22 says this. Listen, then Peter came up and said, Lord, how often... Will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to forgive you seven times. Jesus says, uh, why do, don't say seven times, 70 times seven. Okay, so for those of you who are like literal, God is not saying we only forgive people 490 times. Because I don't want you to be on your phone going five. <laughs> Six. <laughs> some of y'all you know may get a Google Doc going. You know what I'm saying? I, I know some of y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like you got the scale going. <laughs> Jesus isn't saying you only forgive this amount. He is saying we always forgive. This is opposite than culture. Culture tells us those that have hurt you is because of recklessness, evil, and abuse. These people do not deserve, come on, listen, forgiveness. Now, I'm not talking about actual abuse, so just 
reprieve. Most certainly when it is abuse, it's serious. And I want to talk about how the house is going to operate. This church is going to be a safe place for people. But I can promise you it will not be a perfect place for people. And if you're looking for a perfect place, I cannot deliver that to you. People will get hurt here. There will be moments of offense and misunderstandings. But the leadership at this church, from all of our dream team, all of our leadership, we want to practice humility. What does that mean? That means there's not a question that you can't ask. Why do we do this? Either we have an answer or we don't. You may not like our answer, but if you ask, we'll give you one. Does this make sense? I was talking to a man the other day. We were talking about a scenario that happened uh, I mean, a year ago, and he was like, he was asking me about it. And I was like, how long have you been thinking about that? And he was like, about a year. I was like, why didn't you just ask me? He's like, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know. I didn't know. Here's what I'm going to tell you. We're not, we're not a gossip church. We are, we are not. Any story that's my story to tell, I'll tell you. Any story that's not my story to tell, you can go ask them. Does that make sense? But this is how we're going to run. Churches, leaders, and people make mistakes. And here's the deal. We cannot think... Well, if you're in the ministry or you're a leader or, listen, listen, if you're a boss or you're, you should already know. When my wife and I had our first child, God obviously believed that we were ready. But now after 19 years, I'm a whole different parent than I was on day one. And I've been growing into this bad boy. Come on, I have, when, when I was a, when we had little, it was command and demand and whatever. And now, come on, my son is like almost 17 years old. And I'll say something and he'll be like, Dad, that wasn't what I was thinking about. I'm like, what? He was like, you just assumed and I'm like, bro, I'm sorry. I had a cookie on my plate. And like when you were seven, you ate it. And I didn't want you to eat my cookie. <laughs> I just feel like you were going to do that. You were like, you were looking at it. And I was like, dad, I wasn't looking at your cookie. I don't want you. I don't like those anymore. What? Why didn't you tell me so much freedom would have been in this house? That's what I would have been buying. Why? Come on. Hell, is it? We do this all the time with every relationship in our life for us I already heard it when the first three weeks we were here because we have set up new systems and policies and safeguards and I know I'm going long just help me I don't normally do this but I want, I want to get through this and we have a whole division of security for our kids this is going to be a safe place for our children and for those of you who were listen when we first started we were in a church over off of Hudson, it was about 6,000 square feet. And I think kids checked in themselves. I, I, I don't even, I got, we didn't even have stickers. It was like, if you walk through the door that's not a door, it's like a threshold, you're in. <laughs> then we grew a little bit and we went over to Chestnut. And I remember I, we had people leave the church because I don't want to go to a church where I have to check in my child. And I was like, we're not asking for their social. We just kind of need to know who's who. And so the first three Sundays we were over here, well, why is that door locked? Well, why is that? I want to get, I want to do, and I, and I get it. But here's the thing. As we begin to grow, we're going to have to structure a little bit differently. And I need you to be okay with that. Every move that we're making is to make sure that our kids are safe here. Katie and I have reached out to the Child Advocacy Center, and our staff is going to go through training because as we grow, we don't know who's walking in. But we want to be prepared. And I'm going to be honest. I've never led an organization this big before, so it scares me. Is, is that okay with y'all? It does scare me. Because I don't always believe 
that every government institution is done with integrity. But here's what I know. I'm willing to learn whatever we have to learn to protect our kids and protect our staff and protect our parents so that we can thrive. Come on, does that make sense? For us, we want to make sure that the house is leading. And I want to just touch on this because spiritual abuse is everywhere now. Come on, have y'all heard it? Spiritual, spiritual abuse, spiritual abuse. I just need you to know something. If you try out for the worship team and you can't sing and we tell you you can't sing, that is not spiritual abuse. You singing would be the abuse. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? Like we gonna, like dogs be howling in the I'm, like, I just need I, we, I just need I just need everybody to know that you're gonna hear yeses and you're gonna hear noes. And you've got to allow that, and if you don't want that, that's okay. This may not be the place for you. When someone comes to you who knows you, now, I want to make sure I'm prefacing this, because we don't have a gossip culture, and we're not trying to judge everybody and have long fingers and say, but in the context of relationship, in the context of friendship, if people know you, and they sit down, or they have a moment, or we begin to preach something that's biblical that you haven't maybe opened up to or thought about yet, then we're going to have a clash of worldviews. And we're going to call sin, sin. Okay, you hear what I'm saying? I know the reason for sin. I'm not going to shame you because of sin. But as a pastor that loves you, we got to talk about it. Does that make sense? At the house, we lead with love, not manipulation. I want to explain the difference. Love influences the ability to affect someone's behavior. We are always doing that. We conduct ourselves, our staff conducts ourselves, and, it, and, 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 and we want our behavior to be an example, and we want to be able to teach, minister, and speak, and lead in such a way that when you're around us, you want your behavior to change. You want the, your responses to change. You want some things, come on, in your life to change. Manipulation is the power to take advantage of someone. It's totally different. Being controlled, made to live a certain way, forced to act a certain way, telling you who you can talk to and who you cannot talk to. This is not love and this is not our church. And listen, we're not going to be that. So if you are in a life group and someone comes up to you and says, well, if you keep doing that, you're going to go to hell. You need to say, I don't think that's this church. And maybe there's another way you could have said that instead of being the law, because we know in the Old Testament the law kills. You can say, hey, I want to warn you, this kind of decision is going to have ramifications because sin does destroy and it will hurt your life and I care about you. So I, I would like you to pray this through. One says I love you, the other one says I'm going to control you. And I don't need every person getting out their rulers when people walk in and seeing how high or low the dresses are. I need you to know that we care about the heart more than we care about the skirt. And we will handle the skirt inside of relationship as people are ready because the Bible says to be gentle with the new converts. I realize I've said a lot. You may never come back. I get it. At the house, we lead with love. You need healing. During World War II, Hitler commanded all of the churches, all of the religious groups to unite because he wanted to control them. And here's what happened is the groups rebelled. There were one group rebelled, and they were sent to concentration camps, and they had people in their 
and their families die. The other group submitted and did exactly what Hitler told them. And when Hitler was removed and the war was over, these groups for years fought against one another. This group was like, you sold out, and my families died because of you. And this group was, you don't understand all the things that we had to go through. And they fought, and it was destroying the church. And so finally, a spiritual leader came in and said, we all got to get together. And they all went to this huge retreat center. And here's what they said. For days, each person spent time in prayer examining their own heart in the light of Christ's commands. And they came together, and Francis Schaeffer began to ask a friend who was there, what happened? And he said, we were finally one. He said, they replied, we confessed our hostility and bitterness to God and yielded to his control, and the Holy Spirit came in the room, and we left with unity. Love fills the hearts and dissolves the hatred. Here's where I'm going to wrap this up. If you're going to walk in love, it's going to take a lifetime. And some of you are better in it today than you were five years ago. Come on, if that's you, raise your hand. There's hope for you. You're on a journey. It's going to be a little while. It's, it's, it's okay for it to grow and mature. Come on, in your life, the practice of walking in love isn't a sermon series. It's based on your appetite. And we believe that if we're going to minister to the broken, we got to be a church that loves people. And as your pastor, I need you to grow in this. I need you to humble yourself. Come on. I need you to take moments. Pull up the love tracker. See how you're doing. Because we want to see people restored in this church. And we cannot see them restored if all the time we're pushing against their restoration. We can't see transformation if we begin to judge and assume what people are thinking and what they're doing. Church, love is not going to pass away. It's not going to pass away. And so, come on, as they begin to just worship, I want, I want you to just kind of sit there for just a second. Come on, Stephen. And I just believe the Lord's going to minister. I know we went long today. But I think that the church is in need of some love. There's some trauma in the room. There's some people who have been abused. There have been some, some offenses that feel as big as, as a boulder and a rock on you. And I just need you to know, come on, that all of that can go, all of that can move. Come on. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.